It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single podcast, in possession of puns, must be in want of a listener. Welcome to Diacast. Here at Diacast, our group of usually six, but this week four, very accomplished young ladies play different RPGs, bringing you a new game and system every few weeks. This week we are playing a two-player game called Dear Elizabeth, which was a winner of the 200-word RPG challenge a few years ago. It is an epistolary game, i.e. you play by writing letters as if you are characters in a Jane Austen novel. It's a quick and easy game, so we got into two pairs and did two very different iterations of it for your entertainment. My name's Lukey, and the question this week is, what is your most genteel lady hobby or interest? I have a lot of them, like singing, poetry, reading, writing, writing postcards, um, but probably embroidery. I like to do cross stitches and embroidery and sewing, but not particularly genteel topics. Hi, I'm Helen, and um, I am I am not an accomplished lady. I, I, I can't sing in tune, I can't play any instruments, I'm, I'm not very well mannered, um, but I can knit. I don't know if that counts as needlework or not, but when the they needles. talk about needlework, I'm like, hey, knitting needles are needles. Knitting so, needles. Yeah. I can knit. I can That makes it. me a lady. A lady. Hi, I'm H, and I have many ladylike hobbies, actually. For one, I play the oboe. That's like the most baroque instrument there is. I can also play the piano forte. I paint watercolours. I can sew, although I don't like it. And I like going for walks. That's pretty darn Austin darn. Damn, we should move to the 1700s together. That's pretty darn Austin of me, I would say. Yeah. That's pretty darn Austin. That is... You do collect bones. You, you uh, yeah, I was gonna say you, you collect things. You have an appreciation for nature, and you do. Uh, although it's you know, a little below your class, you do garden, so you do appreciate plants and flowers. You probably do mm. pretty, pretty good at flower arranging. This is true. Yes, and if you're kind of lower middle class, Austin, you can lightly garden, can't you? As long as someone else does the hard work. Yeah, you can't do the bending or anything, but you can like point <laughs> to a flower and say, "Ah, oh, yes, lovely." Off with its head. <laughs> Hello. My name is Peter, and my most Austin ladylike thing, I'm not entirely sure. I, I suppose it's kind of enjoying Paris and... Oh, not being that good at volleyball. Um... <laughs> you, do you not read books? You write. I do read books you... and write, but however... Something well, there I, we go. Something I... Also, uh, <laughs> uh, also, I don't think I... I don't really understand Settlers of Catan, and that's something really? that's very yeah. That's I've never played it, and that, that's something that the Austin that lady. You should. don't understand it. Yeah. My brother has the the Star Trek version, um, uh, and oh. we we delight in confusing our parents with it. It's wonderful. <laughs> Perfect, and and yeah. that and that would give a complete headache to an Austin era woman. So it would. It would just make a Victorian child explode. So. Aww. <laughs> All right, well, now that we know all about our hobbies, let's get to it, starting with my and Helen's game Hooray! of Dear Elizabeth. We are playing a game called Dear Elizabeth, which is a... It's part of the 200-word RPG challenge competition thingy, 
and it was a winner in 2018. So this is an RPG in 200 words, and it is an RPG to be played between two people where you are role-playing as heroines in Regency novels like Jane Austen or the Bronte sisters, and you are writing each other letters, one per season. Now, you're supposed to do this with a fountain pen or quill, but we're not in the same county, so <laughs> so we can't... We're you're gonna a couple have to of hundred them. miles away, give yeah, or we're take. We're going to have to type these and send them to each other, so I apologise, well, I was Jane just thinking, Austen. Suppose that, are we even going to type them, or are we just going to dictate our letters to each other? Because it is an audio medium. Yeah, well, what I'm thinking is, we each... So we type them out and then we send them to each other and read them. It's going to take a long time. It is. But you are meant to write it. I feel like that's an inherent part of the games that we're meant to write them down. This is true. We'll give ourselves like five minutes to write each letter, I guess. Okay. But the thing is like, so one person writes a letter first and then the other sends back their reply. No, we both send no. at the same time. So we both send our spring one at the same time. Ah. And so then we'll reply to each other's spring letters in the summer ones. Ah, I see. I'm following now. So yeah, you're meant to play this game where you're in the same place. And you're writing these letters by hand. But we can't do that. So instead, we're going to type them. We're going to send them to each other. And then just read them out at the end, I guess. Or we'll just refuse to read them out and you can just listen to 20 minutes of us typing. That would be terrible <laughs> audio. <laughs> that was my concern of us typing them out, but also it is very much an epistolatory game. An epistolatory game, that was what it was. Which readers means letter writing. So then, to give us some structure, we have eight prompts for something that will happen. And we've already randomly split them between us. So then we've each got four and you get one for each season. So we write a letter to each other each season. So I have proposal, courtship, scandal and birth. And you have meeting, guest, death and quarrel. Yes. So the first thing we do is we create our characters. So my character is called Lavinia Lancaster. My character is the Elizabeth of Dear Elizabeth. She is Elizabeth Bonnet. And she has five sisters called Joan, Louisa, <laughs> Catty, <Kat>. and Maria. <laughs> That's canon. <laughs> Short for Catherine. Yes. So where do you think we met? Um, well, I'm assuming that we met, well, of course, for your mutual acquaintance, because of course. Kind of the options are we grew up together, or one of us was visiting near the other one and met through a mutual acquaintance, or we're like vaguely related, or we're, um, we were both, you know, in London or Bath for the season. Yeah, I was thinking more we were both in for the season, and then yes. we were introduced by a, a mutual acquaintance who is a, you know, uh, an, mm. an old dowager or something. So I think Lavinia is kind of sickly. And so I think we met in Bath because Lavinia was sent there to take the waters. Ah, uh, of course. This is a thing people used to do. They went to take the waters in Bath. People still sometimes do this. Yeah, it tastes gross. It's like, it's not nice. It's very minerally, isn't it? Yeah. Which is why people thought it was good for you. Yeah, we were weird back in the day. This is the same time that people were eating, you know, mushed up. Egyptian mummy, so... Yeah, that was such a weird thing we did. Why would a, like, 3,000-year-old dead person be good for you? Mm. We met uh, in Bath at a mummy unwrapping. Uh, <laughs> again, a real thing people real used thing. to do. 
No, we met at Bath, maybe. I was going to say, I think with your sickly nature, it would have been far too much for you. Too I much excitement. Fainted. I would have, uh, no, I couldn't have made it. So perhaps at a ball, at a dance, or at, at a... a dance. Yes. Perhaps um, I was there with my aunt, and she was old friends with your escort, whoever that is. Uh, well, you see, I was there, of course, with my mother, um, an old lady who lives in the same country as us, and my four sisters. <laughs> her in from another book <laughs> god <laughs> see i'm doing um north hanger abbey you're doing pride and prejudice i'm doing pride and prejudice and i was just bringing in a little bit of um sense of sensibility you know oh of course here's mrs jennings mrs jennings oh sense of sensibility is wild it is so yes so my aunt tabitha was old friends with your mother somehow maybe they grew up together yeah that's nice so Mrs. Bonnet and Aunt Tabitha were friends, and we were of an age, so we became friends, and we spent the summer in the ballrooms together. We had a great time exploring Bath. We had a wonderful time. We, we danced with some very handsome fellows, and we read lots of lovely books. And we always stood up together. We made, we made a pact that we would always stand up together. Yes, always together. So now, I think, this year, Lavinia is still in ill health, so she's visiting her other aunt down in Cornwall to take in the sea air. So she'll be writing from there. And where are you writing from? Well, it depends on the season. If it's uh, for, in autumn and winter, she'll be writing from London, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest of the time, she'll be writing from Hertfordshire. Ah, oh, very nice. Yes, out in the country in the family estate. She's she's a bit more wild. Um. She likes to go for long walks and take the air and really likes horse riding. Yes, well, I think for spring, at least, I'm in Cornwall. Perhaps I'll go back to... Ooh, where's she from? Probably Hampshire. Yeah, she's from Hampshire originally, so I'll be going back to Hampshire in in the summer when it's warmer. Yes, so uh, then we both need to pick our, our personalities, a virtue, a vice, and a hope. So what do you think Elizabeth's personality is like? Um, I think she's quite quite spirited, um, a little bit naive. Mm-hmm. I think her uh, virtue is um, her honesty. Her vice is her honesty. <laughs> yes. What's her hope? Her hope is that she will uh, get married to a Aww. rich man. Nice. And live near her friends. So she has five sisters, four sisters, however many Four sisters. sisters. And an overbearing mother, may I assume? Uh, a very overbearing mother who's very dramatic and nothing is ever her fault, but everything is always wrong. <laughs> Love it. I think Lavinia Lancaster is... Um, we know she's sickly and frail, but she's sort of sickly and frail in that like romantic way where you're strangely beautiful all the time while you're sickly and frail, you know? Because that was the only possible way it would be acceptable. I'm making fun of uh, <laughs> a I don't many know a book. What you mean? Did you get a fever <laughs> when you went for a walk? Did you yes. catch a chill? I nearly died because I sat on a bench outside. <gasps> I know, scandalous. I think her virtue is that she's loyal and her vice is she's naive and too trusting. And her hope is... Hmm. I feel like she probably has a bit of a, like overly worried mother a bit like um emma woodhouse's father in uh in emma so i think she's an only child and her parents are quite wealthy and her hope 
is to sort of become independent in some way and to sort of overcome this sickly phase of her life. Yes. Everyone clarify, part of the reason why Elizabeth wants to marry a rich guy is to get away from her family. Yes. <laughs> so with that, with that words, we're going to start writing our letters. Do we want to like carry on recording while we're writing? Should we pause? Should we pause? Yeah. So she'll, what, she'll, what we do, should we just keep writing and swapping until we're done and then record us reading them out loud and talking about them maybe? Yeah, this is a good idea. So we don't have to keep stopping and starting. Yes. Okay. So we're back. We have written our four letters each. It took us like an hour, didn't it? So it's a very quick and easy game. So are we ready to uh, read them? Which one of yes. us is going to go first? Uh, flip a coin. Do you have a coin? Nope. Cool. Hold on. I'll roll a die. Because we're a podcast for dice. Or something like that. Oh, my dice are buried under things. There we go. Uh, odds is me, evens is you. Okay. That's six, so it's you. Just completely to clarify for listeners, the way this works is that you write each other a letter for each season using a prompt, um, and because you're meant to write a letter and put it under their door and reply backwards and forwards, we've written them out on a chat, and now we're going to read them to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. <coughs> so this is the first letter from Elizabeth Bonnet to Lavinia Lancaster in yes. s- spring. In spring. Dear Lavinia, how are you? I hope you are recovering from your awful chill. We're all very well here in Hertfordshire, although the rain continues to persist and quite ruins my opportunities for exercise. It has become rather unbearable. I do not mean to complain, as I know that I have many an opportunity for occupation and work, yet it has been rather tiresome these past few weeks indoors. Just yesterday, my sisters Maria and Louisa had the most awful quarrel, I shall tell you all about it. Maria had been practising on the instrument, as she has wont to do, when Louisa stormed in with the most dreadful expression. She declared that her new bonnet had been quite spoilt while she had been in the process of improving it. Of course, this is her third bonnet this month, but Mother will not heed my father's wishes for prudence. Anyway, I digress. Maria claimed that she had no part in any bonnet improvements, but Louisa continued to insist that it had to have been her on account of the unevenness of the new stitches. Maria was rather offended, and some heated words were passed until my dearest sister Joan asked our sister Katie if she knew anything of this occurrence, for Katie had been unusually quiet. At this point, it all came out. It was Katie who had been experimenting with the bonnet, as she had heard of a new style to turn her hand to. Maria is still not speaking with Louisa over this. How I long for the quiet peace of your Cornish retreat, my dear. Do write back soon. Yours, etc., etc., Elizabeth Bonnet. Aww. Okay, so the letter in the spring from Lavinia means as such. So, in context, these are both being sent at about the same time. Yeah, so they're not replies to each other yet. This is how it would have been, though. Yeah. Dear Elizabeth, why, I thought things would be dreadfully dull down here in the wilds of Cornwall for so many months, for as you know, I have been here since the autumn and have spent Christmas with my aunt. But in fact, the Cornish folk do get along very merrily after all. We are a small group of ladies and gentlemen in the area, to be sure, but enough to see us through a cheerful variety of dinners, frolics, and even the occasional ball. Aunt Henrietta has been so kind and accommodating 
and I have so loved spending time with my little cousins. The eldest, Oliver, is barely nine years old, but is already the perfect little gentleman. But I write to you today, not of my aunt or my cousins, though they are delightful company, but of the new governess Aunt Henrietta had hired but a month ago. She seemed a sensible and straightforward sort of woman, Miss Tiverson, but with a kind heart and always a smile for myself. I had even walked out on the cliffs with her once or twice, when the weather was fine, and found her to be most agreeable company. But it seems she had charms far beyond what she showed to us, because not one week after her arrival she had already caught an admirer in the form of the vicar, Mr. Rothford, and we found that he was calling upon us almost every day, just to spend a moment or two with her. Well, yesterday he called, and it was only myself and Miss Tiverson at home, Aunt Henrietta having gone to call upon her mother-in-law, and he requested the pleasure of Miss Tiverson's company for a walk around the gardens. I went back to my reading, content to be inside, for it was a blustery day, and caught from the corner of my eye out the window the good reverend going to one knee before the governess and asking for her hand, and then she, without hesitation, accepted. It has been quite the talk among us all, for it was such a whirlwind romance, but I cannot deny that I am happy for the two of them. I will, of course, stay for the wedding, but I am hoping to return to Hampshire soon, to my mother and father, as I do so miss them. Do write soon, my dear Elizabeth, for I miss you so as well. With love, Lavinia Lancaster. Ah. So Aww. I'm actually just going to guess, was that the proposal prompt? I had proposal, yes, and you had quarrel. Yes. yes. Yeah. That was right. So should we say what the prompt was before, or should we continue to guess them afterwards? I think we should guess them afterwards, it's nice. Alright, so, summer. summer. Dear Lavinia, I was so delighted to receive your last letter. I am most gratified to hear that you are keeping yourself so merry. More merry than I am, certainly. I ought to have come with you for the summer so that we could stand up together at the balls, as we used to do. And what a story! A whirlwind romance indeed. I am glad that they are properly settled, for it seemed for a moment there would be quite a scandal there. I have recently learned of a similar event, although one with a far less fortunate ending. Our driver, Mr. Green, has been recently dismissed due to a rather unsettling rumour around his conduct. He had recently been married to a very pretty little thing, who was to be employed as a maid in the Kettering's home at Morley Hall. The whole affair had been rather odd as he came to my father for permission, but none could see it first from whence she had come. It was soon discovered she was of a small fortune through good luck and some family business. Now for the real excitement, I do hope you are sitting down. Young Miss Green was found dead Tuesday morning. The doctor could only conclude she had taken a turn at the top of the stairs and had a terrible fall. But it is all rather queer, for look who stands to gain the entire fortune. With such suspicion, father could not possibly keep Mr Green on as a driver, so we are awaiting a replacement before I can go to visit my friends at Morley Hall. I shall, of course, keep you updated on any further developments in this situation. With love and fondness, yours, etc., etc., Elizabeth Bonnet. <gasps> death. Scandal. Murder? Who can say? It so was death. my... It was death. My, <laughs> my letter? Him, him, him. Dear Elizabeth, Oh, what a lark about that business with the bonnet. It gave myself and my Aunt Henrietta reason for laughter, though she says she and her sisters were just the same, and now they are the best of friends so perhaps Maria and Louisa will reconcile soon. I have returned from Cornwall now, but the next time I travel there you must come to visit, as I am sure you would love to walk along the wind-blown cliffs and watch the vibrant sea as it batters against the rocks. It is a country of stories and mysteries, my beloved Cornwall, 
But now I am back in Hampshire and Mama is once again fluttering around me like a mother hen. I know that she means well, but sometimes I think it is her worry itself that keeps me in such ill health. No, that is not fair. I know there is nothing she would love so much as to see me well and happy. And I am happy, Elizabeth. The summer is proving busy with dancings and outings and new acquaintance. The Wirrells have let their cottage to a couple from London who have come here for the cleaner air, Mr and Mrs Hurley. And oh, Mrs Hurley was heavily pregnant when they arrived, and now she has given birth to the most lovely and bouncy baby boy. We went to call upon them, Mamma and I, and saw him in his delightful little dress and bonnet. Such a sweet child, and a kind couple. You can see the love that Mr Hurley holds for his wife. It is clear as day upon his face. If I were to marry, dear Elizabeth, it would be for nothing less than a love like Mr and Mrs Hurley have between them. But for now, I am content to my studies, and my walking, and my art. I am beginning work on a large painting of our gardens, and Mamma says I will use every colour known to man before it is over, for we have such a variety of flowers, and they are all still in bloom. I have hope you have found more divertisement now that the weather is warmer, and you can enjoy those long walks of yours again, though I am sure you should wrap up more warmly even in the summer. Yours, etc., etc., Lavinia Lancaster. So I had death and you had birth. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, the parallels. How poetic. I know. Birth is a tricky one because, like, it wasn't actually that talked about in um, Regency times. No. I remember reading it and being like, she was heavily pregnant. She would have been in confinement. No one would have talked about it. Gasp. Yeah, I know. I didn't really know how else to say it other than no sooner had she arrived than she gave birth. No one knows where the baby came from. (laughs) (laughs) Who can say? Who knows? Well, also, I was like, I don't want anyone I know to be dead because that's a lot more dramatic in Victorian times. You would have had to go into mourning and blah, 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 blah. So, random neighbour driver person. (laughs) Maybe he killed his wife? Question mark. All right. On to the next letter. So, this is the next one that I wrote for you. So, autumn. Dear Lavinia. You speak of Cornwall as though it were the one you loved and you are sure of a proposal. How very romantic. It seems that any gentleman will have a strong competition. I should very much enjoy visiting with you when the opportunity arises to see what has captured you so. I wish I had heeded your warning for warmer clothing earlier, for I was caught in a sudden downpour last month and caught quite the chill. I really was very miserable for a full two weeks. Alas, my mother chose not to mother hen over me as yours would do, although I had dear Joan by my side. Were that we may exchange our mothers for moments of illness, you should have been most happily neglected. (laughs) You would think that now I am returned to health I would be enjoying a brisk ride under the falling leaves, but it is not to be, for we have the most interesting guesting of us now. I shall tell you all about it. My father's cousin is a gentleman from Derbyshire, and they were very close as children. It appears as though old Mr. Buntley, my father's cousin, has been rather unwell of late and has asked his son to reignite the close relations with our family out of a nostalgia for his youth. All this is to say that Mr. Buntley, the son, is now our guest for a span of six weeks. I shall now tell you all about him. He is young, five and twenty, and very handsome, as well as being of a suitable height and build. His bowels are most grateful and gentlemanlike. We are all rather fond of him, although it seems to me that he has taken a most particular liking for our dear Joan, which I detect she reciprocates. Perhaps it shall come to nothing, and they shall remain good friends, I suppose time will tell. May I beg you to send me a miniature of a flower from your garden if you have time? I do so miss watching you paint. Oh, 
I almost forgot. Mr. Green was prosecuted while I was ill, not to do with his wife, but it seemed that he had built up quite a few debts and had even been known to be gaming. Father was correct to dismiss him as soon as the trouble began. Do stay warm as we head into winter, dear Lavinia. I hope to see you in town this season. We shall be heading in next senite. Write to me soon with positive confirmation of your health allows. Yours, etc., etc., Elizabeth Bonnet. <laughs> now, I realised that when, when I first wrote this, I said riding underneath the falling trees. I didn't even question leaves. it. I was just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> trees just falling everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so as I was reading that out, I had to correct myself. <laughs> so this is Lavinia's. As I said, you know what my last one was? What was my prompt? Oh, guest. 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 Hem, hem. Dear Elizabeth, my goodness, Elizabeth, what a scandal! You do lead exciting lives in Hertfordshire, and what a tragedy the poor Mrs. Green gone so young. I know you think me too trusting, but I cannot imagine a man such as Mr. Green would wish to kill his own wife, for you remember I did meet him that summer in Bath, and he seemed to me an upstanding sort of gentleman. I hope that your father was not too hard on him, for he must be grieving his dear Mrs. Green. Oh, but to speak of scandal, we have had a great one of our own. You remember Admiral Montgomery, our neighbour who we saw that summer in Bath? Well, his daughter, Miss Mabel Montgomery, only sixteen, has run away. It is rumoured that she has run away to sea dressed as a man to join a pirate ship, though I am sure there must be some exaggeration to the story. Mrs Montgomery is utterly distraught, and not a word from her husband or her sons can console her. The Admiral has vowed to hunt down every pirate ship in the Spanish main to find Mabel and bring her back, which is a rather bold claim. I am sure it has all been blown out of proportion, and Mabel will return, having eloped with some sailor. But it is a fantastic story, nonetheless. I did miss you this summer. I felt the lack of your presence by my side at every ball, though I cannot deny I enjoyed myself greatly, for you see a rather handsome young gentleman has recently come to town. He is Mr Oakley of Northfield Park's nephew, a Mr Thomas Oakley himself, and came to Hampshire for the summer to visit with his uncle. You see, Mr. Oakley has no children, and expects to leave the estate to his nephew some day, and so he wished to begin teaching him the particulars of running the estate. He is a charming young man, and very popular with every one of our acquaintance, though I do not for a moment pretend to think he would look with interest upon me. If only you could visit this winter, I know that you could meet Mr. Oakley and tell me what I am sure must be true, that I am imagining that he holds any interest in me. Have your sisters reconciled after the incident with the bonnet? I have recently turned a hand to improving my own bonnets, and while I am sure they are nothing like the standard of a London haberdasher, I am quite proud of my work. How have you been occupying yourself this autumn? The rains have begun again here, so our walks are short and soggy, though I know that wouldn't stop you. Do write again soon. I am always overjoyed to receive your letters, and am constantly concocting plans of how we might meet again soon. With warmest love... Lavinia Lancaster. Oh, Enter the love interest. Yeah. So what did I have? Well, you see, I wasn't sure when I first read this if this was scandal because of Miss Mabel Montgomery or <laughs> courtship because of Mr Oakley. But It was scandal. I think it is scandal because, as we shall see, winter will appear. So that was scandal. And now we are moving on to the last letters that we wrote to one another. Scandal. So this is winter. Scandal. Scandal. Winter. Dear Lavinia, La, I had quite forgotten the incident with the bonnet. Yes, they are all made up now, although their latest quarrel has been over some of Maria's sheet music that had been mislaid. But I see my hopes of your country being peaceful are for naught, 
A lady gone to be a pirate? How fantastic! It is what one would read in a three-volume novel. I am sure she will fall in love with a dashing rogue or perhaps a loyal barkeep, <laughs> find great treasure and return home the talk of the country. Oh, dear Lavinia, how I wish such a fantasy could be true. In my version, the heart of the loyal barkeep, or perhaps the dashing rogue, would be won by a beautiful merfolk so that all would have a happy ending. But enough of this. Tell me more of this Mr. Oakley. If only you were with me in town so I could get a thorough description. Is he handsome? Tall? I wish to know all, for I do not doubt that if he is a gentleman of any taste, then he must be very interested in you, for you are more beautiful than you are modest. I wait impatiently for a reply and your good news. I have had a less pleasant meeting. Our guest Mr. Bundley parted from us when we headed to town, but we were fortunate to see him again at his residences here, and he has accompanied us on many a ball. He stands up almost exclusively with my sister Joan, and my mother is excited for her prospects. While dear Joan was looking so lovely in her dancing, I had the misfortune to be coupled with Mr. Bundley's good friend, Mr. Larcy. I have never met such a proud, conceited man. He was impossible to converse with and seemed intent on making his prejudice against all in the room known with only a glance. An odious man. I am glad that your Mr. Oakley, if I can call him your Mr. Oakley, is not such a man. Right soon, my dearest, I await good news. All my love, yours, etc., etc., Elizabeth Bonnet. <laughs> Mr. Larcy had me. <laughs> Just, ah. Uh... You're like kind of replaying Pride and Prejudice <laughs> with some twists. <laughs> yeah, even though you didn't get married during this game, we all know what's going to happen. I know Jane and Mister Bentley. Oh, I'm sorry, Joan and Mister Buntley are uh, <laughs> getting along fine. Mm. So, of course, you had a meeting. I did with Mister Larcy. Mister Larcy. <laughs> okay, so now we have Lavinia's final letter. Dear Elizabeth, I enclose, as requested, a miniature of a flower. A bluebell, of course, for I remember that you had a particular liking for those. I hope that it brings you some joy and hope of spring this dreary winter. I was so concerned for you when I read that you had a chill that I almost neglected to read the rest of your letter. I am so glad that you are recovered, though I wish that I could have been there as Joan was to take care of you. I am sure you would have grown tired of my mother's ministrations, and would have sent her from the room in a matter of hours. I myself have not fallen ill once this winter, and seem to be past the worst of my condition. The doctor and mamma agree that it must have been the clear Cornish air, and I cannot say that they are wrong. You are right to say I speak as if I love that country, for I truly do. I am afraid I will not be in town for the winter season, though, for the doctor says the air would do me no good. But I have great hopes to be in Bath again for the summer, so perhaps we may meet there again. Your Mr. Buntley sounds positively charming. I am happy that you have had such diverting company for the last few months and even happier that dear Joan seems to have found a worthy man for her affections. She is a kind and caring person. I can only be pleased if she has found love in a good man. Do write and tell me the result of their courtship, if courtship it be. Your news of Mr. Green and his debts is troubling to me. I am saddened to think that I was such a poor judge of character. I am relieved that your father had more insight than myself, and that your family was distanced from him before such things came to light. But, Elizabeth, I can avoid it no longer. I must tell you... I was wrong in my doubt of Mr. Oakley, for he has begun to court me. Hooray! <laughs> he has called upon us regularly here at Moorcroft, and we speak for hours on every topic imaginable. He is scholarly, as I so wish to be, and has grand plans to expand the library at Northfield Park with all of the latest books and treaties. 
His uncle has given him permission to make some changes to the house, and he has even asked my opinions on art to buy, having admired my own work, which I cannot deny made me blush with pride. But more than that, at the last two balls he has danced with me for almost every set, and walks out with me whenever Mamma says that the weather is fine enough. I cannot promise anything, and perhaps I am judging wrongly and thinking far ahead again, but I do believe that he may be seeking Papa's permission for my hand not long from now. And Elizabeth, dear Elizabeth, I cannot deny that I have grown so fond of Mr. Oakley. I could not possibly imagine saying no. With love and fondness, Lavinia Lancaster. Courtship! Yeah! Yeah! Happy Lavinia ending! Lavinia and Mr. Oakley are getting together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mrs. Lavinia Oakley. Mrs. Lavinia Oakley of Northfield Park and <laughs> Moorcroft. I like coming up with like the names of people and places for this. <laughs> and eventually Mrs. Elizabeth Larcie. Oh, God. <laughs> Mrs. Elizabeth Larcie and Mrs. Lavinia Oakley, the best of friends. Yes. Livy and Lizzie. That was such good fun. So uh, so now we're done with our dear Elizabeth. So after a brief musical interlude, we will have Peter and H's interpretation of the game. How happy a state does the miller possess Who would be no greater nor fears to be less On his mill and himself he depends for support Which is better than servilely cringing at court But though he all dusty and whitened does go The more he's befouled, the more like a bow a clown in this dress may be honest afar Than a courtier who struts in a garter and star Than a courtier who struts in a garter and star So... Create your heroine. Describe your personality. Pick a virtue, a vice, a hope. Right, I'm going to write this on a piece of paper. Yep, I'm also going to write this on a bit of paper. Virtue, vice, hope. I also did like Helen's like archetype thing that she was saying. So I think I'm going to go for the poor cousin who's been adopted by a rich benefactor and feels very indebted to him. Oh, okay. Uh, I will go with eligible bacheloress <laughs> who's sort of always nearly being fobbed off on idiots and is a bit of a clown herself. You know, sort of like the, the, the engineering types who believe, you know, the best way to cure a cold is to eat an entire candle. <laughs> Is that her, or is that the the suitors? The suitors. The suitors are all. Okay. The, the suitors are all just idiots. People sort of all on the ver- you know the verges of science. You know the kind of day where you could say, if you're poor, kiss the king, and you'll be better. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right then. So, what's your virtue? Uh, my virtue. What are you good at? I guess. Oh. Or what is your accomplishment? Have you got fair features, or are you very skilled at the pianoforte? <laughs> Or are you unusually well-read for a woman? I'm going to take your suggestion, because unusually well-read, I think, is a great idea. Just, okay. just the idea, like, somebody comes up to her with, like, a, steam, like, a steam-powered like a steam kettle, and she's just like, they're already steam-powered. Ah! Yeah, they are. <laughs> they anyway. Um, what shall your virtue be? I think my virtue shall be that I am... Oh, God. Uh, yes, I'm going to be gifted at the piano forte. <laughs> One of my own suggestions as well, because I don't really know. <laughs> the greatest invention since the Piano 39. <laughs> piano 40? Piante, I just wrote. 
happy aren't they? That sounds like yeah. a type of sounds like a type of ice cream. I was going to say a, a, a wine. I would, I would have a little crisp glass of Piante. Is oh, it God, tuned? Of course. C sharp. I like. It's good. It's a good vintage. The C sharp. Good. All right. Uh, vices. The the one I've written down, <laughs> and I probably will change it is Morono sexual. Which oh, is no. uh, is unabashed and unashamedly attracted to complete idiots. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like you might need like a social vice as well, though, like something people oh, okay. would know. I feel oh, okay. like it's all about appearances because you don't really get to choose courtships no. in this era, do you? You just kind of it's sort of lumped on you. Mm. It, it's whoever owns the local mill. Exactly. Or, or, well, the next local townhouse. Come on, we're not working class. No. Uh, so my vice would probably be I'm immeasurably poor and reliant upon a rich uncle for any form of dowry. Oh, uh, okay. That sort of that's... thing. It's more the vice. I w- it's more the theme I was getting, but I'm sure we oh, do nice. have personal vices too. I, might, I quite like that. I might write down like a personal, like characteristic <laughs> vice because that's way more fun. Ah, <laughs> uh, laughs like a hyena. Oh like... yes. You're gonna have to follow through with that though. <laughs> Oh, right. Well, warm up the lungs. Oh, God, I'm going to turn you down a bit. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, so my vice is going to be immeasurably poor. Cool. So poor, you can't actually count the pennies anymore. They're just too small. <laughs> Reliant on rich uncle brackets. And then what should Threatly my... dust. It's just... Where's the magnifying glass, my good fellow? Uh, and then I guess I have a personal vice is... Oh, what's my personal vice? Right, right now I'm poor and I play the piano. And I'm probably uh, a sad orphan. Maybe I'm very bitter or something, or very uh... um, plenty of allergies. Yeah! Uh, <laughs> immeasurable so number, immeasurable number of random allergies. Oh my god! Yes, it's, I'm just gonna have to. No, I can't sneeze on cue. I'll just talk like I, I don't need. Well, you'll be writing letters. This is so very true. You don't need to. What would they call it in those days? It would be like poor constitution. You have the vapours. Forever getting the ailments. A summer cold is permanently with her. Okay, cool. And then what's your hope? Um, marry a moron with money in a good library. <laughs> want, wants to marry a monetized moron. Fair enough. A moneyed moron, not a monetized moron. <laughs> <laughs> Don't monetize your moron. Oh god, what can my hope be? To live somewhere where she can wear a helmet. Have, have, Someone have, to have... vent satyrazine hydrochloride. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, so I said she's, like, really poor, so it probably will just be to have her own money to have a p- piano or something boring like that. I don't know. Like, yeah. oh, just, yeah. just escape, her, escape her grumpy uncle to whom she's indebted. Oh, that'll do. Escape grumpy uncle. Grumple. And grump, grump, grumpy family slash immeasurable number of sisters. Innumerable number of sisters. Yes, but they're, like, stepsisters. They're, like, cousins. Yes. So many cousins. Cousin sisters, and each of them has limps on different parts of their legs. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Escape Grunkle and immeasurable cousins. No, innumerate, innumerate cousins. I can't even measure these cousins. <laughs> the meter hasn't been invented. Ah, it's just... a large kingdom, Brunel. Help. Oh. Okay. Okay, I need a name. Oh, I'm just going to Google a list of Regency names. Oops. I really wanted to go with Lady Lucid Cart Horse. Oh my god. Oh my god. Because you could just combine any noun. You can combine any set of vaguely long nouns. And it sort of sounds like a Regency name. This is kind of true. Also, I just looked up a list and Barbara is on there. Yes. <laughs> Which for some reason is quite funny. Oh, Bar- Lady Barb. 
Oh, you Lady Barbara. Bob. Lady Bob. Is that you or me? You you can't be Barbara Carthorse. <laughs> Sounds like Barbara Cartland. Barbara. I don't feel like a Barbara, though. Not many people feel like a Barbara. No, this is so true. Uh, sorry, any Barbara's listening. My grandma's a Barbara, and she's a... <laughs> is she listening? Person. <laughs> I highly doubt it. <laughs> no, all right, I'm Barbara. Ooh, pray, are you? Uh, I am Lady. I am Lady Lucid Carthorse. <laughs> All right. I'm, I am Lady Lucid Carthorse. So you're a lady. So you have lady. money and land. Yes, my father was big in the chocolate business. He used it to grease horses. Ah, uh, yes, uh, the classic use of chocolate. <laughs> he was the inventor of the cart horse. He he, in fact, rigged up eight horses, creating the V8 cart. Well, actually, you can't be a lady. You've got to be a miss, haven't you? Because you're not married. Isn't that how it works? Sorry to interrupt your cart horse fantasies here, but... Uh... <laughs> we had two horses, one called Aston, the other one called Martin. <gasps> okay. Right, okay. Her father was the inventor of the cart horse. Uh, thereby, <laughs> a lot of money. It's your new money, though. And maybe yeah, you're okay. given a, a lady lord a lordship recently. So I miss Miss Lucid Carthorse. Lucy for short. Yep, Lucy Lucy for short. I am unusually well read after spending a lifetime looking at uh, my father's manuals on engineering, mathematics, biology, clowns, and soap. Not horses, interestingly. <laughs> what do you think the soap's made of? Uh, oh, good point, actually. <laughs> uh, my vice, I am unashamedly attracted to complete idiots. Uh-huh. However, I laugh like a hyena, and my hope is one day to uh, marry a man very stupid, however, very, very deep of pocket. Excellent. And those pockets have money in them. Yes, yes, not just full of tissues. Yeah. <laughs> it's very disappointing deep. when that happens. <laughs> deep Kleenex <laughs> pockets. What else do we need? Oh, how did we... Oh, describe your b- 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 family. What does father do? Well, you know what father does for you. Oh, my my yes, papa my fa- passed away. It's terribly sad. I think my uncle is a rich landowner. Ah, with many, rich. many children, many children. Many and, children. And uh, what are the fancy houses? What's some? I want to like parody manors? a house name. Yeah, no, 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 oh. not manors. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> but it's like um, you know, Pemberley or whatever, so we can call it Wembley. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> when old Wembley house? Now I actually have to Google: Is there a Wembley house? There probably is. Wembley Manor. Wembley House. Wembley Houses for sale. You're you're doing well. I'm going to put in Manor because it's less of a common name. Okay, no, there's. I'm going to go for yeah. I'm going to go for Wembley Manor because that's funny. There's a Cedar House and a Belvoir Wembley, which uh, that doesn't sound like a house. That sounds like a move in wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Or a type of cake. He's going for the Belvoir Wembley. Oh Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I live at Wembley Manor. With dearest uncle, who is filthy rich and has many, many cousins. Uh, many, many cousins? Many, many children who are my cousins. And all daughters. All daughters. What else are we meant to do? This is hard. Uh, uh, there's, what, uh, what does father do and what is mother like? Which is interesting. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, think, I think for the house, um, uh, I'm going to go with Silverston House, uh, which is mainly just stables. Uh, father is... Uh, a quiet man who has invented the wrench. Uh, he's yeah. What well, he's also invented the wrench, but un- un- unfortunately, yet he has not invented the bolt. Ah, uh, alas. So, 
he is a he is a rent uh, he is a wrench and cart horse magnate. <laughs> I feel like there's a pun in there somewhere to combine them, but it's not coming to me very fast. So I do not want to combine a wrench and a cart horse. <laughs> Are you sure? Okay. Yeah. Um, what is Mama uh, like? Uh, Mama is a uh, Mama is a loud woman who likes croquet, fine wines, and is a person about town. They like uh, they they know everybody, talk to everybody, whether they want to be talked to or not. Okay. She 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 has she has the nicer version of the hyena laughing, sort of like a kookaburra in heat. That's a description I can't wash my ears out of. What 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 is your mother like, dear um, Barbara? Quite corpse-like at the moment, unfortunately, I do believe. But my auntie oh. is a uh, quiet, mousy woman, probably after having sixteen children, and is uh, ails in bed most of the time, reading the modern invention of the novel, and. Uh, taking tea regularly we don't see much of her there's just too many daughters about and she kind of gets lost uh, even when she does appear she lies in bed being whimsical she's pretty much i get up today and i will be whimsical her name is right. winifred whimsical whatever our surname is wembley That's quite a long one, but I... <laughs> okay uh how did you right. meet describe a special moment you share why did you part how on earth did uh, we meet I imagine at a function that uh, my, my dear my dear mama lobbed uh, across the way. So a a sort of uh, a sort of meeting at the at the at the Silverstone House, mm-hmm. where we show off uh, wonderful things like the new non-automated saddle, uh, and and there's there's lots of horses round, so you get to go on a horse. Uh, if if you wanted, if you come down to the horse, no, sorry, stables, not just come down to the horse. <laughs> Come down to the horse, my good fellow. Yes, I mean, we were a little bit surprised to be associating with such common and working class folk as to be dealing with horses themselves, but I suppose you have got a rather fine manor. You've bought one of the largest in the area and uh, yes. do do have quite a fine lot of money. It's very yes. fine, that money. So Lots me and my of, yeah. 16 cousins all trooped down in our finest pastel-coloured frocks. And uh, lurked about, and I was made to possibly play the piano forte for you. Yes, we just we just had it. it it's brand new. Just had it installed. You you, you took the cover off it and uh... unwrapped the cellophane. <laughs> yes, it was very exciting, and I got quite jealous of your piano forte, which you do not even play. For you spend much time in the library reading books. Yes, I was much surprised at your ability to play the piano because I cannot play the piano, but but I've read a lot about pianos. So I know I, I know what each bit of it does. However, I am an. And on that premise, we struck up a fine conversation. We became fast friends. <laughs> fast, fast friends, and I, I invited you down to what, <laughs> to watch father changing the gears on a horse. It was a little bit shocking, and I must admit I'd never been presented with such a uh, sight in all my years. But yeah, as long as I don't tell Mama, for she may, well, Auntie, because she may pass away at this this thought of. Horse gear change, but uh, yes. we can ride around the manor in the local area and the oh. such, and <laughs> and gen- generally talk of and talk of such things as of of which of the men in the local area do you think has not had an education and yet is deep of pocket. Yes, excellent. All right, so I don't think we did part necessarily, but maybe one of us had to go up to London for the season or whatever. That that's the thing that happens today in Austin. I don't know which season it is necessarily. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think it's. I think it is just for the season. It's just like for the, for these three months, I'm going to spend it in uh, yeah. sunny Somerset, generally being whimsical and looking at trees and wishing so. and wishing I could <clears throat> and wishing something naughty about bodices. And then it's just like, right, well, I'm going to go off to the city now. I think when it takes you about two weeks to get there, you don't just pop over for a weekend. You would stay for a season. So yeah, no, when a when a day's riding only gets you to Kent. Exactly. It's... Exactly. Well, uh, it's a lot bigger here. Yes, yeah, so I'm possibly in London for the season with some of my elder cousins, and I'll write to you mm. from there. Wonderful. So uh, we have to write. So the, the the state of the game: we have eight things: uh, meeting, guest, courtship, birth, scandal, death, quarrel, proposal, and we have to have take four of these each. Um, Right, I've got uh, eight little pieces of paper, so I'm going to start writing these down. I'm going to roll a d8. Ah, uh, because it's a thing numbers. done by chance. Numbers. Numbers. So. Okay, good. So, how should we just? Do you want to roll me four numbers, and then I just take four of these note cards? Yep. Uh, yep. So I'm going to roll. I have rolled a four. One, two, three, four. Birth. A seven. Oh, not another cousin. <laughs> Okay. Uh, a seven. Uh, quarrel. A three. Three is courtship. Ooh. And an eight. Proposal. <gasps> All right, then you take the remaining four, I guess. Which are so meeting, guest, scandal, and oh. death. Oh, you got some good ones there. Okay, so now right. how do we actually play? We need to just write letters. Yeah, let's write letters. <laughs> Right, who wants to go first? Would you like to go first? Or should I? Oh, I will go. I feel like yours will be more surreal. <laughs> Strange that. Yep. I wonder what, what precedent I could possibly be working on there. <clears throat> no clue. What scandal is this? Sorry. Dearest Lucid, may I call you Lucy? My uncle presumed I spoke in jest of your siblings' fanciful names, although I know I'm most fond of them. Uh, my own cousins, Jane, Mary, Lizzie, etc., are very dull of character. They thought your names were rather amusing. I, however, think they are quite wonderful. Uh, I'm getting quite off track. Uh, my second eldest cousin, Bethany, married the vicar last spring and has recently had a son. I must say I found the child quite repellent. Uh, I couldn't soothe it with my playing of the gentle lullabies on my pianoforte or even dance tunes. He simply wailed and created some dreadful odours. However, the vicar, Bobbethy, does have a rather pleasant brother, younger, I do believe, who is a lawyer in London, where, as you know, we are spending the season. Ah, I hear a knocking. I think we are to head out in the carriage. How tedious. The London ladies wear such strange fashions, and I always feel so drab in my hand-me-downs. Not a problem you have, I'm sure. I hope they don't bring the baby. Do let me know how you're getting on, back in the home counties. Best, your dearest Barbara. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I couldn't read half my own writing. I was trying to make up what I think I'd said. <laughs> my dearest Barbara, much news from Silverstone. We have had a great gala to celebrate Easter. We had daffodils and other such great decorations. Mama invited everyone in a 30-mile radius and sent more letters to such foreign climes as Ditch by Norton and Newbury. <laughs> I was having a lovely time staring at a piano wistfully, thinking of you. Mother put me on a corner after I laughed, which startled a horse into bolting, which upset the volivons. A man approached me, brooding, trying to eat a pastry. He asked if I played the piano, and I said no. He said he could, and then opened the lid and started plucking at it daintily. I fell deeply in love at that moment. 
His... <laughs> Sorry, please carry on. His name is Orchard Bickering, and he is at Oxford studying law. He thinks the sky is green and uses a spoon backhand. What is with you, dear? I am much afraid of your situation in marriage. How is your aunt, your dearest friend, Lucid Cartwright? <laughs> that was amazing. Okay, so take two. So now we're in the summer season. I had a genuine moment of, how did H decide that? How did you just decide <laughs> oh, how did that? You just... Summer? After spring? Groundbreaking. <laughs> I like the way we've both got lawyers as perspective. We couldn't think of any other professions, could we? Oh no, he's studying law. He just he he's wants just to know how idiot. all the squiggles on the page work. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. So should we do ten minutes now? Yeah, ten minutes, that's Alright, good luck. Right, so I'm opening the letter. Do you tell do you want to go first this time? Yes. Go for it. Dear my dearest dear Barbara. Many call me Lucy, especially the new lodger, Aching Pemberley. He is a friend of father's, and claims he can hold his breath for a, a minute and a half, and he eats moss. He stays in the stables, and does not approve of dear Orchard. Orchard, I have found, is a sweet man. I have taught him many things, like what a parslip is, and how to get onto a horse in one swift motion. He is most muscular, as his father weighs down his quilts with bricks. <laughs> I know this after I, I took a jaunt with him by a local river. It was a bright day, with garlands of flowers blooming, and fresh berries all around. Orchard's fresh auburn hair was flowing, and his knowledge of rugby is truly excellent. He did go and try and chase a cat halfway through, but alas, it was not naught but a fox. On our return, Aching was most agitated. He screwed up his face and shot off into the woods on Astin, my favourite horse. Father muttered something about soap. He is most wise. Orchard left, and later he sent me flowers, lilies, with a simple note which read, I don't know, something romantic. Alas, what news of London? Dear Benadorm, this lawyer, does he smell sweet? Does he longingly stare into the distance? Is he fabulously rich and knows of root vegetables? Your forever friend, Lucid Cart Horse. <laughs> Is he fabulous? What did you think he was called? <laughs> I know he's called Be Benedy, but I wrote down Benedorm. Oh no, is he fabulously rich and does he know of root vegetables? Oh my god. That's as close to a uh, Regency innuendo as we get, I think. Um, yeah. Is that like how you ask if someone's gay? Anyway, uh, does he know of root veg? Okay, cool. It's actually his brother that's called Benedorm, so it's altogether wrong. <laughs> I, I didn't give him a name. <laughs> Doth, doth he know of the potato? Ooh. Ooh, well, I think he's more of a carrot man, actually. <clears throat> now, what does that mean? My dearest Lucy, I was so pleased to get your letter. London gets lonely, even surrounded by my dear cousins. My aunt, due to her ill health and need for rest, has reclined in, oh, I, I do say, I mean, resided back in the country with Uncle. We're staying with Uncle's sister, who thankfully leaves us to do as we wish, so long as it's proper, of course. And it really has been very proper too, what with Bethany and her vicar and the baby. Boring. I am so jealous to hear of your parties. Do tell, what was in the volivants? I do say Mr Bickering sounds quite your type. Have you spoken with him since? Mr Lawson, the vicar's brother who I mentioned, has made excuses to come and see his new baby cousin quite a few times, and we mostly ended up avoiding the stinking creature to reminisce of the countryside. 
it has been most tolerable. Uh, it seems the time to be in London all summer. The Thames smells nearly as bad as the baby, but I do like the liveliness of the city. Does your Mr. Bickering have deep pockets? Mr. Lawson doesn't as of yet, but he has inherited his grandfather's pianoforte, so I couldn't give two figs. I'm sure it isn't as nice as your one, however. I do miss it. I also am missing you dearly, and I'll keep Mr. Bickering in my hopes for you. If his family could send such a man to Oxford, then there is hope indeed for his coffers. I shall cross my fingers for you, as I try to wind myself into accessing Mr. Lawson's pianoforte, I mean his heart. Yours, dearly, Barbara. Wonderful. I like the cross letters, because it means we're just asking questions that have already been answered. <laughs> All right. Here, and then we do round three of letters. I've got bad news, because my, my last two are scandal and death. Oh my so. god. Okay, mine are, I've done, I think that was courtship, because I don't really know what else that yeah. was. Yeah, and yeah. so I've got, uh, I've got a quarrel. And proposal. Alright, shall I go first this time? Yep. Alright, and then see what well, you haven't replied to in my message. I think these are going to cross beautifully because I know you've got tragedy coming up. So. <laughs> my dearest Lucy, what a fascinating time you've been having. Does your fascinating moss-eating lodger, Mr. Pemberley, have feelings for you? I wouldn't discount the strange man yet. I can't help but notice how little you have written of your feelings towards Mr. Bickering of late, although his to you are most clear. Be cautious not to educate him too thoroughly, my dear, on root vegetables or otherwise, or his charming ignorance may begin to lose its luster. Hopefully this is simply me being gloomy. You see, myself and Mr. Lawson, now a lawyer, have had a little quarrel. I won't bore you with the details, but it seems he prefers, let's be metaphorical, carrots, whereas I favour cabbages. I'm sure you, as a well-read woman, will know exactly what I mean, and I need not explain further. Although, even as I write this, I realise that this is the opposite of a problem. Because a dinner plate, like a family, contain a mixture of fresh produce, and that's perfectly fine. In fact, it is surely better for your constitution. I've been a fool, my dearest Lucid. I must speak to him before we leave London. We need not like each other's vegetables. He has a piano, and I'm simply incredibly charming. Please keep me updated of your situation too, dear Lucy. I apologise for my lengthy metaphors and unsolicited advice. Mr Bickering is perfect for you, and I wish you so much happiness. Yours, ever so fondly, Barbara. That was wonderful. <laughs> That was that was glorious. Thank you. I took inspiration from your parsnips. I had a yes. good time writing that. Okay, excellent. Let's hear yours. I'm, this is interesting. I wonder what happens. Dear, dear, dearest, dearest Barbara. <laughs> Terrible, tantalising and frightening news. Silverstone Manor has been beset with rumour, foul deeds and men. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. I have continued to visit Mr Bickering. And it turns out he is very rich as his father invented the words verbosity and clown, which, since the adjective fights, have come into great use. To answer your question, he is not allowed pockets due to him constantly collecting stones which pull down his breeches, which explains his muscular thighs. Alas, Mr Pemberley appears to have fallen for me. He professed his love in the atrium, the second most scandalous entryway. she said. Yep. He then told me how he had sent those lilies. He is sweet, if horrendously ugly. He says I am sprightly, beautiful, and my laugh cures his headaches. Orchard has not taken this news well. He overheard and assumed we were meeting to be nefarious. He tried chasing Mr. Pembley with a croquet mallet, but alas, his trousers were too heavy. To duel for my honour, he will fight in a manner besetting his stature. They duel in a month, but I fear Mr. Pemberley will choose something he, he bears the upper hand in, like fencing or arithmetic. But you spicy lady... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this Lawson sounds excellent. Is he pure of heart and wide of breeches? For you, I wish. Someone whose pockets aren't filled with pebbles. He must be an Oxford man or throw him in the Thames. Your dearest, dearest, dearest friend, Lucid Carthorse. Perfect. 
All right, final season, the the conclusion. I'm quite excited. Let's see what happens. All right, this one's slightly shorter for me. I found this quite hard to write. <laughs> I went mad. Excellent. Can't wait. Uh, I'm wait. Are you first or I first this time? You were first last time, okay. so I'll be first. Oh god, this is, uh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> I won't be replying to your letter at all. <laughs> to my dear, dear, dearest, dear, like Barbara. Good news, Mr. Pemberley has succumbed to hubris. He was a most violent man, but not as strong as my wood-headed orchard. He chose a test of lungs, submerging themselves in a river. Little did he know that my dear orchard can hold his breath for up to two minutes. They visited the icy river, and I was worried for orchard, but he dutifully broke the ice with his head and then glowered. (laughs) Then, horror, I remembered. Orchard's rock-collecting habit, if he was submerged, he might never be able to resurface. (laughs) Sorry, I should mute myself. Go, go, go. And I could... No, don't. Um, and I could never, never hear him claim France is the same as Portugal or the gulls are fish. So, to make it fair, I said they must submerge themselves trouserless to prevent foul play. Which was good, for in the pocket, for in the pockets of dear orchards I found he had a salt cellar full of grit. They debreached themselves and lathered themselves in goose fat. Submerged, I waited with bated breath like a man fisherman. Then Mr. Pemberley re-emerged through the ice, gasping for air. My orchard had won! He rose from the ice, lighter and cold, but oh so muscular. Pemberley, so it says, called for a rematch. He then stepped out onto the ice and was run over by one of father's new sleighs. (laughs) They say he didn't see the horses coming and they didn't really have any means to break. Mr. Bickering and I will be married in the summer. I talk slowly to his father and he seems to agree with this match. I am most beset with your situation. Mr. Lawson sounded so fabulous. I hope you can come to an agreement, as other carrot lovers are indeed hard to find. And to rob the world of your piano playing is most egregious. Maybe you could become his personal musician or personal bottle of charm. Your loving friend, Lucid Cartwright. Delightful. Delightful. I am sitting here with bated breath. Excellent. Just like a fisherman. Uh, That was excellent. (laughs) My sweetest Lucy, your letters bring me such excitement, but this one has filled me with equal parts dread. Your dearest Mr. Bickering, your new lodger. What will your parents say? When you write back, I'm sure the duel will have been done, but I do wish I could have been by your side to cheer on your muscular hero against his moss-eating nemesis. People claim London is full of excitement and fun, but truly they have never met country folk. I am so impatient to hear your news, I can hardly bear to write of my own however I'm about to. Myself and Mr. Lawson quite resolved our quarrel. We utilised the wailings of Bobbethy Jr. to gain some privacy, and I suggested most boldly, buoyed up on tales of your exploits, that he propose. He agreed, as my uncle surely has many legal issues he needs help with, being such a bitter man, and I am so charming and highly musical, as you know. So, we shall both gain our independence from meddling families. Lucy, I am to be free of my tiresome cousins and bitter uncle. I shall be happy on a young lawyer's wage. I care very little, as the piano forte is quite fine and very well in tune. Mr. Lawson and I are quite on the same page about vegetables, and I do think our marriage shall be quiet and quite odourless. This shall suit me very well. I hope to see you at our spring wedding when this cold season is over, and possibly meet Mr. Orchard. Even to me, he sounds quite unique. I pray the jewel was simply masculine pomp, and all was very well. I hope to see you soon. My fondest wishes, Barbara. Yay! (laughs) What a happy ending! Yay, everything went fine. That was delightful. That was actually really fun. 
<laughs> oh, I enjoyed that. So those were two different interpretations of Dear Elizabeth. We hope you enjoyed our foray into two-person games. Let us know on the socials what you thought of it. And either way, we're back with the full cast next week for the beginning of our piratically fantastical game of Yar. But until then, thank you for listening to Diacast. If you'd like to keep up to date with episodes and announcements, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Diacast, and on Instagram at DiacastPod, and subscribe to us on your favourite podcatcher. And hey, if you enjoyed listening to us, maybe consider giving us a rating or review, or sharing us with a friend. We really love that. Diacast is Lukey Slynn, Matt George Lovett, Jacob War, Helen, Peter Wellman, and H. Folkmans. Our logo and banner art are by H. Folkmans. The Diacast theme was composed and performed by Matt George Lovett, and this episode's theme was The Miller of Mansfield by Thomas Arne, performed by Alice Braithwaite on bassoon and Lukey Slynn on vocals. Alice Braithwaite is a freelance musician available for all your bassooning needs and can be found on Twitter at Alice Bassoon. This episode was edited by Lukey Slynn. This week we were playing Dear Elizabeth by Will C, which was a winner of the 200 word RPG challenge in 2018, information for which can be found in the episode notes. And at least for this week, that's how the dire cast. <laughs> <laughs>